Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. What traveler doesn't love to talk about new destinations that we may want to visit? Maybe you've already been to today's featured up-and-coming destination, Bulgaria. There are so many beautiful and incredible destinations to visit in that country and experiences to be had. And you're going to hear all about them from our guest today who was born in Bulgaria and he's going to give you the lowdown on why this is an up and coming destination. Also, how Bulgaria can allow you to double your legal stay in Europe. Yes, you heard that right. And loads more. It's happening next. Plus, I'm going to share one of my top, I would say my top up-and-coming destination that I still have yet to visit, in addition to the one we're talking about today. Stick around for that and much more. It's happening right now. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so kindly for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I love talking destinations. We haven't done it on the podcast in a while, we have a featured destination today. One might say an up and coming, not only travel destination, but digital nomad hotspot, a place where it's super affordable, you can get good Wi Fi, and you can base for an extended period of time. And that's something we're going to talk about today a bit of the remote work lifestyle mixed with travel destinations, all that good stuff that you love here in the Zero to Travel podcast. And I've got a shout out as well to one of you lovely souls out there in the listening community, the Zero to Travel Caravan. And it's a little destination based as well. And we're going to have that at the end of the show after the interview. So stick around for that. Before we get into it, I got to tell you, you've heard me mention this on the show before. The number one thing that you could add to your pre-trip checklist, if you haven't done it, if you're going to a new destination, is learning some of the local language. It is hugely important and it impacts your trip in ways you 
can't even imagine just by being able to chat a few sentences with the locals. And if you're fluent, of course, that opens up a whole bunch of other doors. But if you go to zerototravel.com slash easy, what you'll find is the easiest, best way to learn a language. And this is the way that I love to brush up on my Norwegian and also practice new languages when I'm going to a new destination. And this is Pimsleur. This is the same audio program that's used by organizations like the FBI and the State Department. It's no joke. It's audio-based, so you can learn on the go. They have a mobile app, and just like you do when you listen to podcasts and you want to learn and consume information, you can do that, but with language, and then that benefits your travels perpetually. So if you decide to learn Spanish, any Spanish-speaking country you go to now, even if you can just learn a few words you're going to open up a whole new set of experiences that you wouldn't have had if you didn't speak the local language. So if you've been putting this off, go to zerototravel.com slash easy. Check out this offer. If you're based in the States, you can get a free seven-day trial to their monthly subscription service. So this works just like Spotify or Netflix where you pay one small monthly fee and you get access to hundreds of dollars worth of language lessons in any language you want to learn. But you can try it for free for seven days. So you really have nothing to lose. If you go to zerototravel.com slash easy, just commit to trying it for seven days for free and see how it goes. What do you have to lose? If you do decide to continue on because you love the courses and I know you will, but if you decide to continue on, you'll also be supporting this show. I want to thank them for supporting the show as well. And we'll leave those links in the show notes. But seriously, if you've been putting this off, don't put it off any longer. Give it a try. Thanks to Pimsler for supporting this podcast. And since we're talking remote work today, one thing I got to mention, anytime you talk about slow traveling or extended long-term travel, at some point, you do have to figure out the money situation, right? You got to figure out, all right, how can I keep traveling? How can I make this sustainable? One thing you can do to set yourself up for a long-term travel lifestyle is start working on something on the side while you're working your full-time job. And we got a free guide for you as part of the Paradise Pack this year. If you go to zerototravel.com slash side hustle, that's zerototravel.com slash side hustle, got a free guide with three super important strategies that you can implement to start working on a location-independent business on the side while you're working a full-time job. And this guide's totally free, again, part of the Paradise Pack this year, which launches April 23rd to the 29th, 2019. Check it out, grab that free guide, and just wanted to mention that so you didn't miss it. Now, let's slip and slide into today's show. I'm excited to bring you this conversation with my buddy, Mitko, who's actually been helping us out with the Paradise Pack this year, so shout out to him. And listen in, check out Bulgaria, take a virtual trip there with us today, and I will see you on the other side, where I will also be giving a shout out and sharing my other destination that I'm dying to visit, another up-and-coming destination that is on the top of my list, next to Bulgaria, I would say, which I'm trying to get to soon. Please enjoy listening on my chat with Mitko, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. My guest today is the founder of ThatRemoteLife.com. His mission is to better understand what makes remote workers and companies successful. And when you can work remotely, the next question becomes, where in the world should you go? He's here to share with you why he thinks his home country of Bulgaria is not only the next big digital nomad hotspot, but also an amazing place to travel to. Mitko Karshovsky, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. I'm excited. That was the third time I read that intro, by the way. And uh, we're friends, thankfully. So you kind of sat through it. But <laughs> no, you're doing great. 
Well, th- thank you. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I I don't know. It's amateur hour over here, but uh, no, man. We just got to meet up in Denver in person, which was awesome because the first time we interacted, I think, and and I love to get these emails. I had said on on one of my previous podcasts that I had a, a part of my travel wish list was to sail to do a sailing trip through the Caribbean or something like that where you live on the boat and, and you're sailing around. I know nothing about sailing. I usually get seasick, so I don't know why that that is something. But I want to wake up to crystal clear blue water and just have that experience and, and live on a boat. And then I got an email from you saying, hey, I can help you make your sailing dreams come true. And I'm like, whoa, who is this guy? Talk to me about what you did because that was just a cool story the whole sailing trip you did on your own yeah so like when you mentioned that i was like oh man uh so i did that when i was in college i was a uh, part of the sailing team in college which was i mean i'm not the best sailor but it was just like a fun group of people to like, hang out with but what we did one year uh for our spring break was we actually so i went to school in oxford ohio and we drove down to miami florida where we rented two catamarans. So there were like 12 or 14 of us. And we rented two catamarans and sailed them from Miami, Florida to Bimini in the Bahamas. Uh, So it was basically like a week and a half of a bunch of college kids hanging out on some boats, uh, just sailing around the Caribbean. I came back looking like Robinson Crusoe, like I had my beard out and everything. It was an absolute blast. And uh, yeah, so when you talked about, you know, having that dream, my dad also has a similar dream because uh, he's kind of the expert sailor in the family. And when I came back and I told him about that trip, he was like, man, I want to do it. So when you messaged me, I was like, hey, man, we can do it. Like you say when and let's go. My dad's ready to jump <laughs> on the boat. So <laughs> believe me, it's still on my list and I still have you top of mind for that one when I can get <laughs> over there. You don't hear the Bulgarian accent, I guess. So people might be wondering, what do you mean home country of Bulgaria? But you grew up in Bulgaria until you were 10 years old. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I moved to the United States in 2003. So. Uh, okay, so yeah, what do you remember from your childhood there? I always talk about how it kind of feels like a completely different world. You know, it feels like two different lives because they're just so distinctly separated and so different. So at that time, Bulgaria was sort of just coming out of, you know, post-communism, I mean, I remember fun times, but I also remember there were a lot of struggles and stuff like that going on, uh, bef- you know, before we left. So it was a, it, things have definitely gotten better there since we left, but it was definitely, you know, post-communist era country at the time, but a really great place. Was it hard for your parents to get into the, the States? How did that work? Do you remember the whole process? And then, like, how did you react when they told you that you were moving out of the country you grew up in? Yeah, so we actually won a green card, which uh, a lot of people don't know is kind of like a lottery system. So you put your name in uh, and basically if you're lucky, you, you know, draw the golden ticket and you come to the United States. And I was actually the person who found the letter. So I knew English and uh, I remember finding the letter with my grandma and she couldn't read the letter and I read it and I called my parents. I was like, holy crap, like we got like a green card, like we need to go do this stuff. So I was really excited because, uh, you know, the United States is the land of opportunity and I'd always dreamed about moving here. And it was definitely hard because you're leaving behind family, but I remember being really, really excited. So, yeah. And then when you got here and all of a sudden 
there's the reality of, or there's the idea of, hey, it's land of opportunity. Um, I'm going there and, you know, Hollywood movies and all these things and you're a kid. But then you get there and you're sitting in an American school and it's all new. What was that like, that transition? Yeah, the transition was definitely tough. I mean, I always say that I didn't have any sort of like a special experience, but I did have like the immigrant experience. You know, like every immigrant has a story about the first day in that first apartment sitting around, you know, on the floor because you didn't have money to buy, you know, furniture. And, uh, you know, that's like every immigrant has that story. And in that way, my story is not special, but it's definitely, um, I don't know, like surreal. And like, you're kind of, uh, you're almost like you're building your, like my mom kept saying, we're like rebuilding our lives, you know, like how often do you ever find yourself in a situation where you're literally starting from ground zero? You know, uh, if you're born and you're around with where and you live where your family's at, like you always like you always start from somewhere and it's really completely different to actually start from ground zero. So it was uh, that was definitely kind of weird and difficult at, at the beginning. You spoke English, but your parents did not. Is that no. So both of my parents spoke English. Yeah. OK. What did you guys do? I mean, what was the did your parents start a business? Did they get a job? And what was kind of the the first thing? So uh, very first thing was uh, my dad actually got a job uh, as a janitor in the museum center uh, in Cincinnati where we moved to. Um, and that was really tough for him. I know that because he kind of held like a pretty high position uh, in Bulgaria. He had his own business. Uh, he, he was well recognized and well known in our city. Uh, and to sort of go from that to then being, you know, a janitor uh, working night shifts was really difficult for him. Um my mom became a grocery clerk uh, or like a, like started working at like a grocery store. Uh, and eventually, you know, they both kind of like built up from there. My mom um, was an accountant in Bulgaria. So she quickly sort of got the um, education and sort of like things that she needed to do that in the United States. Uh, my dad, you know, kind of jumped from job to job until he started his own business and he's a personal trainer now. Uh, he also works remotely, which is awesome. Uh, I've been pushing him to do that for a long time. Uh, so, you know, you just kind of start from the bottom, but you build up and you get to where you want to go. It can be easy for your ego to be tied into what you do or just, you know, what you do defining who you are in some way, or giving you a sense of confidence, I should say, would, would be the right thing. So to take a step like that for your dad and, and your mom must have been really tough. Like you said, they're used to a certain quality of life, a certain way of working, I guess, and then going to a, a completely different job. That's a, that's a tough transition. And this is, like you said, I mean, this is the common immigrant story, it seems, right? Because you're coming to a new society, you have to learn how it works. You have to get the certifications to be an accountant, for example, or, or certain things that you can't, they don't cross over. So um, that must have been interesting for you to see that process and to watch them go through that. I mean, did you have an awareness around what was going on? I mean, that it was a tough time starting up or is it just more like, hey, I'm a kid and we're, I'm just, you know, I just roll with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely saw how hard my parents were working. Um, and I was definitely very aware of that. And that's why from a very early age, like I've always said, like one day I want to be able to take care of my parents, you know, because I saw all the sacrifices that they made largely for me, you know, it was all about giving me a better quality of life, hopefully one day. So, um, I was definitely very aware of what was going on. Uh, at the same time, you know, it's, I did know English, but I was also struggling in school because I knew some English, like I knew 
how to ask to go to the bathroom or whatever, but I didn't have conversational English. And so uh, that was also kind of weird and a struggle, you know, building that conversational English so that I could make friends and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, definitely some awareness around that. Yeah. Okay. So why did you guys move to Cincinnati? That was the other question I had before we get <laughs> past this of all the places to go. Yeah, I always get asked that question. Uh, so when you uh, are moving to the United States, uh, the immigration office or whatever that uh, government body is called, uh, they want you to go somewhere where you are maybe not starting from zero, but have a little bit of help. So they preferably want you to go somewhere where you have family or uh, you have friends or whatever. And so we had family friends of ours, very good family friends of ours who um, lived in Cincinnati. And so that's why we went there. So it wasn't just like we, you know, put our finger down on the map randomly. Got uh, it. There was some uh, planning behind it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I didn't know if you were just like, oh, I heard they have really good chili there. So we're just going to head over <laughs> hey, there. That we was really not like chili. A, no, that was not on our radar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Skyline chili. I haven't had that in so long. So. Love that stuff. I'll send you a can or something. Ah, that would be great. A can of Skyline chili. Yeah, it, it probably costs like $15 to ship to <laughs> to Norway or something. I want to get into Bulgaria, of course, as a destination. And you are seem to be pretty convinced that this is going to be a big hotspot for for people that are re working remotely, but also for travelers. And it's funny because as we've gotten to know each other and, and as you've told us more about this, you were at our Location Indie meetup in Denver. You're part of the community there. So you did a whole thing on Bulgaria. And I've known several people who have been through there and spent time there and gone skiing there. And I, I've started to hear about places there that I hadn't heard about before. And I think that's just because I know people that are starting to go there now. Whereas before... It wasn't even. It was on the map, of course, but it wasn't on the map in terms of travel. I don't think as much. So, give us a little background on Bulgaria. I mean, tell tell us about your home country and why it's a place that that you love and why it's a place people should visit. Bulgaria is north of Greece and just south of Romania, so it's sort of on that eastern edge of the Balkans. Uh, it's on the Black Sea. So we have a really beautiful coastline. You know, a lot of times uh, you hear about the Balkans and Eastern Europe and you immediately think like Chernobyl or something like that. And that's not at all what it looks like. It's, uh, you know, I always tell like picture Greece and you're much closer to where Bulgaria is at in terms of what it feels like and what it looks like. Um, so we're sort of like, I also sometimes compare it to like California in terms that we have a lot of mountains and also a long um, coastline. So you're never far away from either. Uh, so it's really nice. Uh, the food is a mix of uh, like Mediterranean um, and Arabic. So you have influences from the Middle East, uh, which as we all know, have delicious cuisine. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, Italian influences and Greek influences. So, you know, when you hear Eastern Europe, a lot of times you're thinking that sort of Central European, Northern European cuisine, and that's not at all what it's like. Uh, so the food is delicious. Um, one of the really great things about it as well is that it's really cheap. It's very, very affordable. Um, if you're making a, a Western salary, you can live very well in Bulgaria. It's, it's a country that's been coming up a lot. It's uh, grown a lot in the last couple of years. And it's a really wonderful place, I think, to visit. And I think a lot more people are finding it now because of that. Can you give us a little example of what it might cost to set up there? Say, say you're going to spend a month or two months there and you want to rent a place. 
and you're going to work every day, maybe go to a co-working space, going to see some of the sites. I know this is very general, but when you say things are cheap, that can be subjective depending on who you are. So can you give us some general price ranges on, on different things so people can get an idea of like, oh, how much a beer costs or a coffee or time in a co-working space? How's the internet and all that good stuff? Yeah. So, okay, let's start with like the currency first, because I think that's like, a good thing to understand. So the currency is called the LEV, uh, which you can think about it being about half a dollar. So for every LEV, you, you know, it's like 50 cents US. And so, for example, a coffee will cost you, depending on where you go, you know, it can cost you from one left to two left. So that's, you know, you're going 50 cents to a dollar. Uh, we're also in Bulgaria. I've never really seen these anywhere else, but in Bulgaria, these uh, coffee machines are super famous. You'll see them on every corner. They actually brew a really good cup of coffee, but it's just like automated and you drop like 40 Bulgarian cents, which is like a quarter US and you get like a delicious cup of coffee. Beer is very cheap. Uh, you know, for two lev, you can get a two liter bottle of beer. Uh, so, you know, this isn't two like a liters? beer or anything. Yeah. Two, they wow. sell them in like, you know, the, like the big Coke bottles. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can take that down to the beach, um, food, you know, you're looking at a, uh, three course meal for, let's say like 10, 15 lev, depending on where you go. So that would be like the cost of like one meal in the U S so that's about what it would cost, uh, food wise. Now, in terms of if you're going to be getting a place to stay, um, it's really important to think about where you're going and when you're going. So if you're going to be going to Varna, which is where I'm from, which is on the Black Sea coast, that is a touristic place. So if you're going during sort of high season, it does get a little more expensive. Uh, we had friends who got a place for just under a month for $700, but that was through Airbnb as well. So if you're not going to be going during tourist season, the prices do drop. Uh, if you're going to be staying there for more long term, that's when you're going to make the real savings. Uh, my girlfriend and I found an apartment with a panoramic sea view for 200 euros a month, which is insane. Wow. Uh, but how did yeah, you find that? Of, so when you're walking around town, you'll see a lot of like, uh, like postings yeah. where they're advertising apartments. And I mean, you can literally just be walking around town and you'll stop and you'll see the ads on the streets and you have a lot of diversity there. Uh, you can also find them online. There's websites that you can check. So do you think it's better to, this can be a conundrum for a lot of people. Uh, should I book a place on Airbnb, which might be more expensive, or should I just show up, maybe have a place to stay for a few nights and then use those th first three or four nights to hunt around and look for these postings or, or look for these places where you're on the ground and you can see, okay, you can meet people and probably find something cheaper. It depends on how long you're planning on staying, right? So a lot of these prices that are super cheap that I mentioned are for long-term rentals. So if you're going to be staying there for a month, that's not really possible um, unless you found somebody to like sublet from, but that's not really established yet in Bulgaria. Like for example, if you were to go to Budapest and you're in any of those like digital nomad groups, there's always apartments that are popping up that you can pick up that uh, you can get a lot of savings on because uh, they're technically a long-term lease that they're just getting passed around from person to person. Um, in Bulgaria, because it hasn't yet become that popular, that's not really an option. So I always say Airbnb is your first bet uh, and your best bet. What I'm working on currently is to sort of uh, find those 
listings that are cheaper that are not on Airbnb but are still short term because there are there are a lot of those. But the issue is that they're in Bulgaria. And so if you don't speak Bulgarian and you don't know how to search for that, then it's tough to find them. Right. Got it. So if you need help with that, reach out to Mikko. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Let's talk about the vibes of the different cities. Uh, you got the capital city of Sofia. Am I pronouncing it correctly? It's Sofia, actually. Sofia. But everybody says Sofia. Yeah. Sofia. And then Varna, which is a place that you mentioned along the coast. And then you have uh, an, another place I've been hearing about, Bonsko. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, Bonsko. Bonsko, yeah. which is a, a ski area, which really intrigued me because I'm, I've been researching a lot lately these cheaper ski destinations in Europe because, well, it's very expensive to ski in the US. And I'm also, I live in Europe now. So I'm thinking, okay, well, where can I, I love skiing. I mean, where can I go around here that isn't, you know, the Swiss Alps with the the four-star hotels and all that. And then I heard about this place and I was I was pretty excited. So it's definitely on the radar. So yeah, can you just talk about, I, I guess those are some of the three main places that you highlight in an article you published on Zero to Travel, which we're actually going to link to in the show notes. Yeah, can you just talk about the vibes of those places and, and why did you pick those three? Yeah, so Sofia is basically your regular you know, European capital. I mean, it is a metropolitan kind of city. Uh, that's where a lot of the business is happening. Uh, it's a city that's grown a lot in the last couple of years. Uh, so if you're sort of new to traveling in Eastern Europe, that's going to be a very comfortable place for you to hang out. Uh, you're going to find a lot of similarities between that and other um, European capitals. Um, that being said, it's definitely Eastern Europe. Uh, and it's very, very old. It's one of the oldest cities actually in Europe, I believe. Uh, so you're constantly sort of seeing these like Roman remains all over the city, which is really cool. Like you'll take the subway and you'll get out of the subway and all of a sudden you're standing in like, uh, you know, the bottom of like a castle or some sort of building from the medieval ages uh, that has just sort of been like used as one of the walls in the subway or something. Like that. So it's really, really cool. Um, so there's a lot of interesting things happening there. Uh, and during the summer, actually, the rent is cheaper there than some of the coastal towns. But I mean, in the summer, you know, you kind of want to be on the beach. Um, so that's where Varna comes in. Oh, one last thing to say about Sofia is that you do have a ton of co-working spaces there. Uh, so if you're looking to do like more intense networking or you're really into co-working spaces, Sofia will have plenty of uh, opportunities for that. Varna to me, which is, you know, where I was born. So I do have a little bit of a personal connection with it. It is the biggest city on the coast um, and it has miles of beaches. It does have a small startup community there. So there are co-working spaces popping up. Uh, we do have a Facebook group for digital nomads, which allows you to, if you, you know, when you get there, uh, you can immediately get plugged into a community. We have over 300 members right now. So that's great. There's a little bit, you know, there's a community growing there. Um, is that something that you started or I did? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I started it last year and it's grown pretty quickly, which is really wonderful because it shows a lot of people are interested in it. But what I love about Varna is that it is not exactly the sort of place that you go to sightsee. It will take you a day to look around the city uh, and sort of see all the things that you need to see to as a tourist say that you've been there. But what's really wonderful about Varna are just like 
the vibes like you said like it's just this like the beaches are wide so there's a beach bar lining like basically every inch of the city beaches uh you can go and like hang out you can go to these uh beach bars and have a coffee in the morning you can stay and work there a lot of them have wi-fi then you know your friend's gonna come at night and you can share a beer so it's just this like really wonderful place to be where it's not about seeing uh you know statues or anything like that it's just about feeling it and like living in that it's it's awesome like that's why i go there every summer more being in the rhythm of the daily life there exactly yeah and it's it's much more relaxed like i always kind of say if you're from the u.s and you go to italy you know and all of a sudden everybody seems so relaxed and you're like when do these people work you know like they're always hanging out at coffee shops or whatever and you do have a little bit of that feeling in varna which is just you know it's it's wonderful yeah that's so great to be around yeah, absolutely. And now it does have also, uh, you know, a modern airport that does have a lot of Ryanair and, and Wizz Air uh, flights coming in there, uh, as far as I know. So it's it's not difficult to get there, basically. Now, the third place that we mentioned was Bonsko. And Bonsko is sort of very strange because it's a very small town, but it does have actually uh, a growing digital nomad presence because of a co-working space that was started there. Um, I think it's just called Co-working Bonsco. Um, but that's a spot that's been growing. that has been attracting a lot of attention. They have like a co-working space and co-living space, I believe. So you can like rent apartments from them, which makes it a lot easier to go there. Uh, but Bonsco is, is definitely a wonderful ski location, uh, but it's just not the Alps, you know, and it doesn't have that sticker price with it, which is a perfect option for those who want to ski or snowboard for cheaper than, you know, let's say in Austria or something, while also having a really nice spot to work and have a community of like-minded people around them. Is it a mountain town mm -hmm. vibe? Yeah, as far as the, you know, I always equate these smaller mountain towns to, at least in the States, to beach towns, some beach towns in the States. They have the same sort of laid back vibe in a different way. Is Bonsko kind of like that? Is it is it sort of a sleepy town? Is it one of those places that closes, everything closes at nine o'clock or something? It's just all about the nature or yeah, what is it, what is it like? Yeah, so I'm not uh, the biggest expert on Bonsko. So I haven't like actually spent time there. I think I went there when I was really young, but that was before any of this stuff happened there. Um, but it is a popular tourist location. There are tons of um, hotels and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say it's sleepy. Um, I think that they do have plenty of activity there, uh, but there is like an old town. So you might have a little bit of a difference there from, you know, sort of like where all the hotels are and then where the old town is. But, but I definitely wouldn't take my word as an expert on that specific location in Bulgaria, but there are tons of articles out there uh, that you can get more of a feel for it. Okay, cool. And internet in Bulgaria. Have you ever had any issues? As you know, being a remote worker, it's pretty critical. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. So internet in Bulgaria is actually pretty good and reliable. There was, uh, I wrote about this in the in the blog post, uh, so I can't off the top of my head exactly say what the statistics were, but... And you said they were ranked 20th in the world in yeah, speed? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. High. Yeah, if it's yeah. not 20th, it's like 25th or something like that. Um, and it makes it very reliable. So as long as you can, your Airbnbs will always have Wi-Fi. Um, I haven't had problems having good Wi-Fi. Now, there are obviously some places where you might not have the best. 
what we did, what my girlfriend and I did last summer was we actually got one of those like remote Wi-Fi hotspot things, if you know what I'm talking about. And that thing was amazing. Like we were on the train and we had like perfect internet. Really? Uh, did you bring that from the States the or? No, we got it in Bulgaria. So you okay. can sort of like buy the little, it's like a little device that you buy. Right. Uh, and then the actual card with the internet for it is very cheap. So you do have to pay. Um, it's not super expensive, but you're going to be paying like 50, 60 euros for the actual device. And if you have one already, then no problem. Then you just get the card and plug it in there. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was perfect. I mean, hmm. the number of times that we worked on the beach, uh, with perfect internet, oh, yeah. it was awesome. I mean, the fact that you can just bring that with you anywhere totally eliminates the stress of having to find a, a cafe or, a bar. you know, the worst is when you go to a coffee shop or, a bar or wherever you're going to set up and you're like, all right, you know, I got my coffee. I'm going to dig into my work. And then the Wi-Fi doesn't work or it's down or you can't connect for some reason. You're just like, man, <laughs> just set up here. It's killing my productivity. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, like, I always talk about, like, when you go to a new place, like, one of the things that I do is I take a couple of hours or a day to explore. I call it my familiarity zone, like okay, a yeah. half a mile around my place to find the good spots. So then I know like, okay, these three places have reliable internet. I've tested it. I know I can go here. And on days that I'm trying to be super productive, I'm not going to go exploring for a new uh, coffee shop or something. Yeah. I love that. The, the sort of the neighborhood ramble when you get there and just kind of mm. oh, see what's around this neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. That's a promising potential morning breakfast spot. I'll look over there. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a decent beer spot. It's uh, yeah, sure. it's fun when you slow travel like that too. If you're talking about remote work and you want to set up somewhere for a few weeks or a few months, then you really, I mean, that's one of the big benefits I think is you get to settle into a place and, and get into that rhythm of the daily life and experience it beyond just being a tourist and seeing the sites like you talked about. Uh, my intuition tells me, I don't have any statistics on this, and I know you put it in the article. And I agree. I think the the Schengen zone is the the area in Europe where, you know, at least for people in the States and all visas are different. You can only spend uh, 90 days every 180 days. Bulgaria is a part of that, kind of, but separate from the visa situation. Do you want to explain that? Because I think a lot of people are coming to Bulgaria too because it's right next to that zone and they can get out for their 90 days and still be in Europe and then they can come back to Western Europe if they want and have a fresh visa. Uh, do you find that that's a thing and how does that work? So there's two things you need to understand about the European Union, right? There's like the EU and then there's the Schengen. Um, and I'm not an expert, but um, I know enough to kind of like give you the gist of it. So uh, the European Union is sort of like the the big the big thing. And then some countries are part of what's called the Schengen zone. Uh, and the easiest way to kind of remember which countries are in the Schengen zone is I always say, like, if you think about like what the cool European countries are, you know, like Germany, Spain, France, the those, known ones, those countries. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's the Schengen. Uh, and then the European Union is a more broad sort of there's tons of other countries in it. Um and the way that it works is that the Schengen has its own visa laws uh, as opposed to the European Union. And what you can do is actually uh, they each allow 90 days. So you can be in the Schengen for 90 days and then you can leave the Schengen zone and go to an, a still a European Union country that is outside of the Schengen, like Bulgaria, like Romania, uh, Greece as well, I believe. Uh, and actually that time does not count towards your Schengen 
zone time, if that makes sense. So yeah. you can kind of like end up staying in Europe way longer. Um, if you're flying you to Bulgaria, before. you're going to get the stamp that tells you you're leaving and then you can come mm -hmm. back essentially after 90 right. days. Right. So my, for example, this is a perfect example. My girlfriend is not, you know, she does not have a European uh, citizenship. Uh, so what we did uh, last year was we actually wanted to spend about four months in Europe. So what we did was we spent uh, some time in Bulgaria and then we spent some time traveling abroad. And that basically like that time added up. We shouldn't have been able to stay that long in Europe. But because we spread out her time uh, over both Schengen and non-Schengen, yeah. we were able to stay way longer. Yeah, that's great. And something to keep in mind if you want to spend more time in Europe, another reason to go to Bulgaria. But don't just use Bulgaria to get as a place to escape because it's it's a destination in and of itself. Of course, that's the point of this podcast. Why do you think this is the next big hotspot for digital nomads and remote workers, or at least one of them? Yeah. So, I mean, when I first started getting into... Uh, and I'm sorry, there seems to be a helicopter flying over me yeah, that's <laughs> right okay. now. But, Helicopters uh, do that every now and again. <laughs> they do, yeah. So um, when I first started wanting to become part of, like I wanted to become a digital nomad, I started hearing about Chiang Mai a lot, right? Like that's kind of like what happens to all of us is we hear about Chiang Mai. And the thing was that when I was reading about Chiang Mai, it just sounded so familiar. Like so many of the things that people talked about liking about Chiang Mai and Thailand in general – I thought applied to Bulgaria, right? It's cheap to live there. Uh, you can have a really great lifestyle. Um, there is an expat community, so on and so forth. Uh, and because of that, I think that Bulgaria draws a lot of nomads and a lot of expats. Um, the other really great thing about it is that it is super close to Europe. So let's say you want to spend your summer in Europe, but you don't want to break the bank, right? You can set up a home base in Bulgaria, whether it's Varna, Sofia, Bansko, it doesn't matter, right? You can set up a you know, your little home zone there and then pop over to Western Europe whenever you want to and do that for a very long time without breaking the bank. Um, so because of that, I think that it's, I'm hoping to, and I think it will attract a lot of nomads who want to be in Europe during the summer, uh, but still have those benefits that they get from being in Southeast Asia. How did you get into the remote work movement? Like where did you first hear the, hear the term digital nomad and what was it that grabbed you? So I always wanted to be a digital nomad. I just didn't know that I did. Uh, I kind of had this idea of what I wanted to do and what I wanted my life to look like, but I didn't have a definition for it. Um, so actually, this sort of starts uh, when I went to college. So uh, I went to college to study biotechnology. And about like two, three days into studying it, I realized that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Uh, I knew that I wanted to have sort of freedom to travel. I wanted to, you know, have ownership over my time. Um, and I was really confused about what I wanted to do. I took, I had like six different majors. Uh, and finally, after my sophomore year of college, I dropped out. And my idea was that I was going to have a startup because that was the closest thing that I knew uh, to sort of being a digital nomad. You, you know, I knew that I had to be an entrepreneur, that I had to have a startup to have some sort of ownership um, over my time and over my sort of the way that I spend my days. I spent about two years sort of in the startup community in Cincinnati and always kind of uh, looking for that digital nomad feel. And eventually I heard the term digital nomad probably on a podcast or something like that. And that's where, you know, sort of like the glass shattered. And, you know, when you get that term and you type it into Google and just all the answers appear. So I don't know where I heard it specifically, probably on a podcast or a blog that I read or something like that. 
Um, and then the moment that I had that goal and I knew what to call it and I knew what it looked like, um, I just knew that that's what I was going to do. Yeah, the shift more around taking the lifestyle first and then building what you want around that. Dropping out of college, I want to talk about that because I get emails from people and that's a question I think you know, some people even listening to this right now, and, and this could ap- apply for people that are in careers as well. I just want to hear from your personal experience. It's a big decision. You know, how did you, how did you come to that decision that that was the right one? And that, you know, I, I think some people struggle with, oh, okay, is if I'm going to drop out of college and just travel, is this me just, you know, not knowing what I want to do and just kind of doing something else randomly. I mean, I think there's a lot of internal struggles that go along with this and and it makes it a very difficult decision because it is sort of a, it's a cut and dry thing, right? You're like, I'm dropping out of college and then that's it. You're, you're moving on. You can always go back, of course, but I think that makes it a little extra difficult as opposed to just saying, hey, I'm taking a break or whatever, which is another thing because I think a lot of people take breaks and they know they're not going to come back. So you want to just give your from your personal situation your advice on how you kind of came to that decision and why why it felt right for you yeah so um college to me just didn't feel right uh i just didn't fit in very well uh i i felt very like uh like held down and i i felt very like i don't know like almost claustrophobic while i was there uh, so I just, after two years, I needed to get out. And actually, I didn't immediately decide to drop out. Um, I decided to take a year off. At least that's what I told my parents. Uh, you know, I think that I always knew that I probably wasn't going to go back. But um, you what knew. I did was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that I was probably not coming back. But that's not what I told my parents. So I think one of the things that helped me and definitely my parents understand what I was doing is that I had a plan. Right. So I didn't just drop out saying like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. You know, Uh, I had a plan and the plan was, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to drop out for a year. I want to, you know, try to do this whole entrepreneurship startup thing, Uh, try to like figure it out a little bit more. Um, And so that's what I did. Uh, I never ended up going back, uh, but I had a plan. And so I think that you need to think about what you want to do with your life. Uh, Like if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, dropping out is probably not the best idea. Um, but if you want to, you know, have your own business, you can learn a lot more by not going to college and just go get a job at a startup and you're going to learn way more, um, in way less time. Uh, and nowadays, like also I've noticed, like, unless you're in one of those careers that needed a degree, like I said, like a doctor or a lawyer, nobody cares. Like I've never had anyone ask me what's your degree in. Never, you know, and so I think that a lot of people are realizing that college is not necessarily the best way to learn. And as long as you're a hard worker uh, and, you know, you know, and you're a quick learner, then, you know, you can do it. Is the remote work lifestyle what you imagined or a lot different than you actually, the reality of it is a lot different than what you imagined it to be or is it lining up? Um, I mean... Yes and no. I think that when you dream about something, you're always uh, going to skip over the things that are difficult. Um, So yes, is getting to travel around the world while working amazing? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm currently in Spain. Uh, It's 
you know, November, it's freezing cold in Cincinnati and I'm in Spain outside. It's sunny and it's 65. Uh, you know, I can't complain too much, but there's definitely difficulties, you know, um, you're in uncharted ground still in many ways. You know, you're not, I see a lot of my friends that are in solid careers and there's a path lined out for them. Uh, the remote workspace is still kind of like the wild, wild west, you know, like we're still shaping it, which is really exciting if you have that sort of personality like myself, but it can definitely be stressful, you know? So financial stress is always something to think about, you know, especially when you're starting out. So it is what I imagined it to be in a lot of ways. Like my girlfriend and I talk a lot about that where we're like, like, holy crap, can you believe that two years ago we were talking about this and everybody thought we were crazy, now we're doing it, you know? But it definitely does have difficulties that you sort of don't think about when you're starting out. And I think that that's actually a good thing because if you knew how difficult it was, you might not want to do it. You know, like a lot of people say that about starting a business as well. And the short answer is yes and no. <laughs> you figure it out in real time. What part of Spain are you in? I'm in Alicante. So it's about like an hour or two south of Valencia. Nice. Okay. Yeah. It looks and sounds pretty rough. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard life. Yeah. Before I let you go, I do want to say thanks for, for being a member of our community location, Indy. And I just wanted to ask you about the importance of whether it's a community like that, or just like you said, you were getting into the startup community when you were in Cincinnati trying to do that. How important is it to get around other people doing this? I mean, you mentioned the Facebook groups for digital and different things and getting connected and plugged in in that way. Um, how important has that been to your success? I think that's everything. I mean, one of the biggest struggles about working remotely is that you do lack some of that community. You know, you don't get to go out uh, and hang out with your coworkers every day, for example. So getting around a community of like-minded people who are doing the same things that you're doing, who have, you know, the same sort of mindset is, is huge. And it's crazy to think how far I've gone because uh, I've been a part of like LI now for a year. Um, and, it, you know, the relationships that you make and the friendships that you form, you know, can definitely be very helpful. Uh, and so... I think that's the most important thing, like whether it's location indie or it's a Facebook group or whatever, it's really important to get involved and to um, get in front of and around other people who have the same dreams and goals as yourself. Yeah, I think it's also, especially when you're starting out, it's saying to yourself that you're you're taking your dream seriously. You're taking this this whole thing is not just a dream, but it's a reality. And I'm going to get around other people that are doing this in real life and just make it happen. And you certainly have done that. Congratulations on uh, oh, thank you, thank you. everything. I mean, from dropping out of college and, and you know having your plan is one thing, but then actually executing it and getting to a point where, okay, now you're working, you're in Spain, you're hanging out. I'm hoping we cross paths again because like, like I said, we got to meet up in Denver. I'm still holding you to that sailing trip or some kind of... Uh, I want to hang out with you in Bulgaria, man. That's like one of my goals. I want to I get over there while you're there and, and just kick it. Because I think that would be hey, so man, fun. Hey, man, let's do it. I'm, uh, I'm putting together a bit of a trip there in September. Oh, so yeah. come on over. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that really quick? It's kind of so a friend of mine has a company that puts together uh, these like 
paid trips. So there, the goal is to, um, for, for them to be guided, but still feel personal, right? Like if you go on a lot of these tours and stuff like that, there's like 20, 30 people with you and you lack a lot of that personal feel that you have. Um, and so he actually came to visit me this summer in Bulgaria, uh, and he absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, he had like the best time of his life. He was like posting pictures all the time, just like couldn't believe the things that he was seeing. So, um, he kind of called me up a couple weeks after he came back and he was like, Hey man, like, do you want to like come join the company and put together a trip in Bulgaria? Uh, so I love showing people around. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so we are going to be putting together a trip in, um, the end of August in 2019, um, that if anybody's interested in and wants to join, um, you can head over to that website is lifenomading.com. Uh, and you will find that trip and you can sign up. Nice, cool. And uh, your website, thatremotelife.com. Am I missing anything? No, um, my website is thatremotelife.com where uh, you know I talk a lot about mastering remote work and how to make uh, the most of it. And then if you are interested in going to Varna or you want to learn more about it, um, you can go to uh, nomadvarna.com, which is the little like hub that I set up for the city and uh, the nomads there. So you can get more information, find the best coffee shops, what the best co-working spaces are. Uh, you can get a lot of information there. Uh, so you can kind of hit the ground running. Nice, man. Well, you're representing your home country well. Uh, I'm certainly chomping at the bit to get over there. I won't hold you back from enjoying Spain any longer. Thanks so much for stopping by. And uh, let's do it again soon sometime in person next time. For sure, man. And uh, I did almost forget, but I do have a handout. So uh, if anybody is interested in Varna, uh, you can go over to my website, thatremotelife.com uh, forward slash zero to travel. And I'll have a like a guide that anybody who's interested in can download and you'll learn a lot about Varna and sort of what the best areas are to stay. And it's just sort of like a cheat sheet to give you a running start. Cool, man. Thanks so much for that. And uh, yeah, cool. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon then. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm man. Gonna, I'm going to leave wait. with that. All right, buddy. <laughs> All right. It's, it's my pleasure. See ya. There you have it. Thank you, Mitko, for sharing your love and knowledge for your home country of Bulgaria, which uh, it always gets me chomping at the bit to visit these places. Anytime I talk destinations with other travelers, especially people as knowledgeable as Mitko about, say, their home country or just a destination they've lived for a while, how do you not geek out on it, right? There's so much to see out there in the world. This is what makes us crazy as travelers, right? And we, we want to see it all, but also we know we can't. So we got to like, you know, kind of take it one step at a time, but it does get those juices flowing. It gets me really excited. So I am so excited to visit Bulgaria now. I hope you are too. Let me know what you think. You can always get in touch with me, Jason at zerototravel.com. If you want more destination episodes, I know I don't do a ton, but I can I can do more for you. It's no problem. You just got to let me know. This is a community-powered show. So if you reach out to me and just let me know what you want on the show, who you want, what you want me to cover, jason at zerototravel.com is my email. You can drop me a line anytime. And I do have a shout-out to give to somebody who dropped me a line recently talking about a destination that they were in. I got a couple emails from her, actually, and I'm excited to share them with you in just a moment. First, quickly, I want to thank Pimsler for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash easy will take you to that free seven-day trial 
for the Pimsleur audio courses. This is the same language learning tool used by organizations like the FBI and the State Department. This is no joke. And when I first went through a Pimsleur language program, it's all audio-based, so I was driving. I could listen to it on the go, just like you do with podcasts. And they have some kind of magical formula. I don't know what it is, but (laughs) just when you start forgetting words, they bring them back into the mix. And if you listen and just repeat after them, which is how it works, you start speaking the language right away. I'm talking within the first minutes of listening to the very first lesson on whatever language you want to learn. It's so exciting, and it opens up all kinds of doors when you're traveling. Go to that link. You can get a free seven-day trial for their monthly subscription service. Learn, Pick a language you want to learn and start learning it today. Don't put it off any longer. If you do decide to continue on with that monthly trial or if you buy any of their courses, uh, you'll also be supporting this show. So I thank you so much for that. I recommend them highly because this is the same thing that I use. And I only recommend products that I know and love. If you listen to the show, you know that. It's just really a few things that we talk about on the show. And this is one of them. So give it a go. Give it a go for free. Grab a free lesson. You have nothing to lose. See what you think. ZeroToTravel.com slash easy. Thanks to Pimsleur for supporting this show. All right, I got a shout out to give to Julia who said, hey, Jason, I've been listening to your podcast for over a year now. One of the first episodes I downloaded was about your hitchhiking trip through Scotland. And it's funny she says that because that's an episode I'm a little, well, maybe I'm self-conscious about it because it was the first, it was my first crack at doing a narrative type episode where I did this, uh, if, if you don't know and you're new to the show, I did a hitchhiking race around Scotland with a bunch of people that were just uh, in this Facebook group. And my buddy Gary organized it. He was a big hitchhiker. So I decided to go out. We camped outside of town, paired up in teams of two and had like, I forget, it was like eight or 11 checkpoints to hit where we had to get our picture next to them. And it was a race. It was awesome. Totally no big prize or anything, just totally for fun. And uh, it was just such a blast. And you can hear about that experience in that show. Anyway, she goes on to say, ever since that, I've had an unexplicable desire to hitchhike myself. I'm happy to report that I finally did it. I'm currently traveling Ireland and had many great experiences hitching. I unexpectedly ended up singing along in a music session and in a Game of Thrones themed pub setting on the Iron Throne. You never know where you might end up. Thank you for the inspiration to try out new things on the road. Great work with your podcast, Jason. Keep it up. Best wishes and lots of love from Julia in Germany, but right now sitting on the beach in Ballycastle, Northern Ireland. Thank you, Julia. And I got an email from her again recently. She listened to uh, the Is Technology Ruining Your Travel Experience episode we did recently and has decided to spend her honeymoon Uh, in Norway. So I hope you stop by Oslo and let me know when you're there. I'd love to meet up with you guys. And she said uh, they're going to try to keep their phones turned off for two weeks, only using it maybe for navigation. So that's exciting. I love that Julia's kind of taking some ideas from the podcast and trying them out on the road. It's all a big experiment, right? You want to change your travel experience up. You want to do different things. It never hurts to uh, try different things and see where that can take you and see if you like it. And uh, I, Julia, you hit one of my bucket list things. I'd really like to play guitar in an Irish trad uh, like session, like at a pub, and somehow be able to keep up with the musicians there. That's a little bucket list item for me that I came up with recently. So really cool that you hitchhiked and got to uh, end up having these random experiences. When you open yourself up to that, you never know kind of random fun experiences you're going to have when you travel. Thanks for writing. Julia. And if you haven't written, again, please, I encourage you. This is a two-way conversation. Again, this is a community show. So uh, it just means the world to me when I get either a review 
or I get to hear from somebody and hear their story. Um, it just means so much to open the email and get those. And I read them all. Sorry if I haven't responded to you. Uh, just know that I have read all of the emails. I've been traveling the last couple months, as you know, if you listen to the show, and uh, totally backed up an email, but I am reading them. So thank you so very much, everybody, for checking in. Uh, lastly, before I let you go, I guess I have to tell you about my, my top up-and-coming destination that I want to see, and you can learn more about it because I've done a podcast about it, and that is the country of Georgia. I had my buddy Travis on the podcast a while back. He visited Georgia, and man, I got the hiking bug since I've been out in Colorado again. I uh, really want to get out and lace up the boots and go to some random, walk to some random places in the mountains, and it seems like there's a lot of that in the country of Georgia. So that is up there on my top up-and-coming destinations um, that I want to visit and Bulgaria as well. So speaking of Travis, every year, him and I partner up to do this awesome thing called the Paradise Pack. We've been doing it for the last five years. This is our sixth year doing it. And it is a bundle of educational resources to help you live, work, and travel anywhere in the world to help you do the location-independent thing. So you can work from anywhere. You can design a business based around your ideal lifestyle. And this is a special thing. Again, we do it once a year. It's from April 23rd to the 29th. Only happens one time. And then it's gone forever. And we have an amazing bundle of products at 90% off for you this year. And if you want to check it out and learn more about it, you could just go to the homepage and sign up. But if you want to get a free guide and learn more about how you can run a side hustle, work on the side while you're working your full-time job and start building this location-independent lifestyle on the side so you don't have to just quit your job with nothing. You start building it up now, make a plan to take off and travel. And if you go to zerototravel.com slash side hustle, you can pick up that guide with three super key strategies to help you do that right away. Zerototravel.com slash side hustle. I'll leave that in the show notes as well. Just wanted to drop that for you since it is a free guide. And when you sign up, you'll also be getting some emails about the Paradise Pack so you can learn more about that. So don't be afraid to hit pause or sign up now because you don't want to miss this once a year thing. It's awesome. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got for you today, my friend. I hope you have a wonderful day wherever you are. It's a sunny day here in Colorado and I'm going to go enjoy it right now. I'm getting ready for a ski trip, actually. Still recording in the garage. I'm going to be digging through my bins and finding all my ski crap to go skiing for a couple days with some friends, and that's going to be nice. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to let you go and do your thing. Have a wonderful day wherever you're at, and thanks for your time, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.